Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green, joined by Brett Barry and Ronnie Stoffel because apparently Arizona men's basketball played a game over the weekend. I don't remember much about it, actually. I'm not even sure it happened. Uh, can one of you guys fill me in? Like, Brett, do you, do, do you know what happened over the weekend? Was there a game at the McHale Center? Uh, I think there was, but my memory gets very fuzzy. Uh, I, I did go to a music festival all weekend, so I, and I drank heavily. So I, I was trying to make that, that basketball game memory go away. Right. Okay. So, Ronnie, do you remember anything about that game? Was there a game? Because I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank here. There was allegedly a game. I, you know, it's just we could save it for a little bit later. But unfortunately, this team just doesn't have it. So. Oh wow! Coming out hot here, Ronnie Stoffel, <laughs> just bringing it. Not even a minute of the show. He's like, this team doesn't have it. Okay. <laughs> He's, I like me. Let's save it for later. Let me come in hot. So, <laughs> no reason yeah. to listen to the rest of the show or the rest of the season because you know. Arizona basketball center. Now, Arizona plays Arizona State. Senior day. There's a number seven Arizona. Been playing pretty well. Obviously, they had the loss at Stanford, but whatever. They should have beat Arizona State. They had a 10-point lead with like six minutes left. They let ASU hang around, and then Cambridge hits like a 60-footer at the buzzer. And, you know, it's kind of funny how Umar Balu, if he would have missed the last free throw, they missed a lot of free throws as a team. If he would have missed the last free throw, Arizona probably wins that game. But I like Tommy Lloyd's quote. He's like, I could tell him to, like, I mean, he's a 50% free throw shooter. There was a 50-50 chance he was going to miss it on his own. And if he tells him to miss it intentionally, he might airball it, which sets up issues. But when you look at 89-88, I think Arizona did a lot right in this game, especially offensively. They did enough wrong to where they lost on a fluky shot, but they lost to a team that they should not have lost to, right? I mean, is is that fair, guys? I I think it's I think the way I'd frame it is Arizona played poorly enough to lose, ASU played well enough to win, and they hit a long shot to win it, right? Like and I I I I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on Ronnie's save it for later come in hot <laughs> comment um a little bit because like I mean now that that sixty footer goes in, ASU's a potential bubble team, right? And so it's not I, this this loss is less inexplicable than the other losses I would even argue this season that Arizona has had. It's just that this one sucks because it's at home against the you know in-state rival and on a fluke play. But the thing that was most concerning to me, uh, you know, if it's if the it that Ronnie is is referring to is you know I think this team has has a struggle to be, maintain that mental toughness as consistency thing unless they're very focused. They do very well in revenge games. 
and they don't do well when they are, you know, there's a hungry team that's going to try to out-physical them and they're not fully... You know who wrote they're very good in revenge games for Izzy Desert Swarm? I did. Last week, even. So thanks. Thanks for reading. (laughs) I, I had I had that thought independently, Adam. I don't, I don't, I don't care for your context. <laughs> but guys, like the way that I know when when Cambridge when that shot went up, like I mean, thought that's going in because why the hell not, right? But like we look at it and say that shot goes in and Arizona loses. Had that shot missed like it's supposed to, that shot's not supposed to go in. You know, if it missed like it's supposed to, for all that Arizona played poorly enough, they still would have won the game. For all as good ASU would have played, they still would have lost the game. And yes, on the scoreboard and the standings. Arizona gets a loss, ASU gets a win, but does that shot change what happened in the previous 39 minutes and 57 seconds, right? Like, does it? And over, over that time, Arizona was not much better, but they were the better team showing a lot of the things that we want to see. They were making three-pointers. Courtney or Mamie was good. Like, I looked at this team and said, if they can make threes, they're going to be tough to beat. They started making threes, and they've lost two games. Like, one ASU went to Stanford. It doesn't make any sense. But, Ronnie, if you can try to make sense of that because – like, yeah, Arizona wasn't great, but barring that fluke shot, they still would have escaped with the win. We'd be saying, you know what? They beat a decent team without playing their best. Kudos to them. And instead, it's they lost to a decent team without playing their best. It's not bad. You know, depth is one of those things, especially in the tournament time where you don't really need it unless you need it. If there's an injury, if you get into foul trouble, then you're going to wish you had that eighth guy, that ninth guy. Otherwise, I don't think there's any issue with their rotations. Free throw shooting, I mean, they usually shoot 72%. That's not bad. They were just bad in this game. And there's no excuse to be bad. That's a focus thing, I would think, right? Brett could probably speak to that, too, because it's free throws. There's no one defending you. And Pella Larson had that long streak where he made, what, like 30-something straight free throws, and now he's been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I can chalk that up to just one of those nights, you know, where the ball just doesn't go your way. I mean, Umar Balo shot six free throws. I guess he probably should have shot eight. But, you know, he shot six free throws. He's a 50% free throw shooter. Otherwise, I make Kirk Creesa. You know, Pell Arson was three of six free throw shooting, a much better free throw shooter than that. So, like to that extent, Arizona, that's where they didn't play their best game because they are better than that. Defensively, though, and focus wise, those are the two biggest areas of concern, I think. And Brent and I have talked about that before because, granted, they're probably tied together. When they're focused, they play defense. I go back to the end of the ASU game when Arizona was down by a point and they forced to stop. You know, they got the stops they needed. They got the stop that then led to the Larson bucket. Then the ensuing possession, they got another stop. They forced a bad look. Now, this is against a very mediocre to bad offensive team in ASU. But at the end of the game, Arizona needed a bucket. They got the bucket. At the end of the game, Arizona needed stops, and they got stops because they were focused and they were purposeful with what they were doing. That it ended with a fluke three-pointer that I don't blame Larson so much for that. I mean, if he puts a body on what they call a foul. You know, everybody's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's just a weird, fluky play. Cambridge made a great shot. You tip your cap to him. But I think even Tommy Lloyd said, you get to that situation, you'll take that. Like, you're supposed to win the game there. But I, you know, this wasn't, I think Brett said it, and maybe follow up on this, Brett, like, this wasn't their worst loss of the season. It feels that way because it was ASU and the way it happened. But this was their first competitive loss. They've lost five games. This is when they had a chance to win at the end. Yeah, and I, you know, I think your focus point is well taken, Adam, because like, you know, Ronnie pointed out how many points they gave off to uh, gave up to a bad ASU team, which is a fair point. Adam talked about how, uh, you know, a- ASU was still scrappy and Arizona was not that focused. What was there? Probably a half dozen points of Arizona did, uh, you know, actually get the stop, as Adam said, 
but then they got the ball. They were completing the defensive rebound and got the ball po- popped out by a scrappy ASU player. Or knocked away from that, each other. Yeah. The first couple of points that, of the second half that ASU had where Arizona rebounds and, where they knocked away from each other and went to and the Sun Devil. So it's like, that's a weird thing where I think Adam was saying like they got the stops when they needed to, but they didn't finish it. Right. And that's a, that to me again is a mental toughness question. Um, there are certain players on the team that like Azul's Tabellus is just not a great defender. <laughs> I just, I he just doesn't have to be bad either. No. And, and Kirk Carissa, I think has physical limitations as a defender. I think he can be feisty, but I just think he has physical limitations, right? But you need everybody else on that team to be very. You need to be focused. You need to be playing team defense. You need to be everybody on the on the team going for every loose ball, and that was not the case in that game. And so, like, it's it's a weird thing because my concerns would have remained if that half court shot had not gone in, but it's but it's also like it doesn't change my perspective of this team in the sense of when they play their best version of them as the best version of themselves as a focused you know tough as a team kind of perspective in a complete game i think they can beat literally anyone and they will beat almost literally anyone on that night even against you know their best against any other team's best i think they're going to win a lot the problem is they don't always show up with that focus and it shows up in those weird ways where asu guys went and got the loose balls they were popping the ball out they were you know Warren Washington was making moves on Azulis Tabellis, who just didn't look all that interested in playing defense for some stretches. You know, Arizona guys, I think, especially the big struggle when they get, you know, questionable or not foul calls, when they get into foul trouble, they get soft and they got to learn how to deal with that. And that's an experience question that, you know, I don't know how you change that other than just raw experience and coaching. Um, but, But my fundamental perspective of the team hasn't changed where I could see them making a final four run. I could see them losing in the first round or two right and not even making the sweet 16 and i think those are almost equal likelihoods to some extent right other than the just fact that it's harder to win four straight games or or whatever to get to the final four well ronnie maybe like arizona to that point like jerry palm had a tweet that i love he's like arizona's five losses are all teams outside the top 50 and net so if they can get through the first weekend of the ncaa tournament they might win the whole damn thing because they have all those wins against top 25 teams it's hilariously like accurate you know this team has struggled in those games and they've beaten a lot of bad teams too it's not like they've lost to all the bad teams they've played but if it is so much as focus and we can kind of pivot here from the asu game if it's just a matter of focus and i do think they focused at the end of the asu game and they just got beat by kind of a fluky play where you that shot goes up 100 times it goes in twice maybe you know in that situation but if they are immature and they are immature but if they can focus and play good defense and make free throws and make winning plays down the stretch, does that portend to a team that once the games really count? Because like they lost this game, they dropped one spot in the AP poll. I think they like didn't even move in the net ratings. Like it really didn't affect other things. Anything other than the perception, it didn't really affect them on the bottom line. So once the games matter, like they go to USC this week, they go to UCLA. Obviously, they're playing for seeding at most. They're not playing for the Pac-12 title anymore. But if they can focus, and when they're focused, they're a damn good basketball team, does that make you think that, okay, once the games are win or you're done, that they're going to turn like flip that switch and be the best version of themselves? Like, Can you see that in them? I don't know if there is a track record for that. Um, you know, I know like, and and it's hard even comparing to last year, but obviously, you know, uh, you know, a handful of these players were on last year's team. So I think that there is some carryover, but I would say the handful of those players aren't, 
or, or weren't, you know, key players last year, especially in the tournament, right? Like if you look at Tubelis, right? Uh, Balo was basically a nobody in the tournament, right? All last year, like nobody really know outside of Tucson who Balo was. Um, I, I, th- I, th- I think, okay, so I'm, I'm not convinced that this team is, ha- has, has a Final Four run in them just because I, I just think that there's a few things too flawed. Then we've touched on that, so I'm not going to hammer that again. Um, but what I will say is if we want to play this situation where, uh, yes, I could absolutely see them getting to the Elite Eight or something, right? And, and I think what's so funny about the, what's so funny about March Madness and the NCAA tournament is it's the most irrational measurement of success, right? Because this team could get to the Elite Eight and then they'd be every, you know, a lot of people would say, well, last year's team didn't get to the Sweet 16. So obviously, or didn't even get to the Elite Eight, right? They only made it to the Sweet 16, you know, like this team. And it's like, that's such apples and oranges. Like it's, it's, it's not even a thing. But okay, so let, let's figure out how they could still position themselves, right? Because now we're taking a look at, they still have USC, UCLA. I think they, they probably, we always beat USC. So I wouldn't be surprised at all right. if we beat USC. Um, I don't, I actually don't think UCLA is that good of a team, honestly. Uh, I think Mick Cronin's done a very good year. They've been the most consistent team in the pack, but I, I definitely think that, you know, we've beaten them obviously. And so head to head already, like we've taken care of them, albeit down in Tucson. But let's just say that we split with the LA schools. So now we fast forward to Vegas. This is getting set up again, unless we just have a sloppy take a night off situation where we're going to be playing UCLA again, neutral court. And I, I expect us to win that game. But now what is that actually saying, right? Like now you've you've played UCLA three times. I actually don't think UCLA is that good. But what that would set you up for is a favorable spot where you'd stay out West, right? Because at that point, you're already seeing all the buzz and stuff on Twitter about, you know, hey, oh, this this showdown in LA up this upcoming weekend could potentially be the two seed out West. And it's like, well, well hang on. Like there's still Vegas and like the conference tournament and stuff. So, um you know, if, if that if that materializes in, in the way that I just laid out, um, would it shock anybody? I mean, obviously, you'd have to see the draw, but staying out West certainly helps. Um, I, but I guess I'm just still so dubious of, of this team. I, I just don't see it. So well, can, very can quick, I, Brett, before before we get or do you want, OK, follow up real quick. Yeah, well, let's I take just, a break. I, after I want, that. Yeah, I wanted to answer your qu- question first of um, well, shoot. Now I'm already blanking on what your question was to, to, was to Ronnie. Um well, I think that the question is, uh, like, in March, I almost care less about seeding for this team than I do about matchups. And specifically, I want to know, like, I'd rather be a three seed and you don't face any athletic scoring fours or, or outside shooting guys like a Carlson from Utah. Like, that's what gives Arizona problems and gives Azulis Tabellas problems in particular. Right. Uh, but, oh, yeah, to, to answer Adam's question of the turning it on and being focused, I don't I think it's a bad idea to trust teenagers to be able to flip a switch i think that kind of discipline is ingrained and if i'm tommy lloyd i right now i play up this loss and use the national narrative to try to gin up that nobody believes in us against both the la schools and for the rest of the damn season and i because i think that that'll work for this team because i keep think that keeps them focused because i just don't think you can say oh now the lights are on we need to need this game to to matter more right well guys let's take a quick break and we come back let's talk about arizona going into this next week with the la schools what's on the line and what we're hoping to see from them because it's a big series that has implications but also to the point there may not mean all that much because march madness is just around the corner 
We're back. Okay, we don't need to talk about what happened against ASU anymore because that's in the past, guys, right? But there is a question of what it showed us and also where it left Arizona. They dropped down to eighth in the NCAA or in the AP poll. I think they've, depending on the bracketology you've seen, they're on the three line now out in the Midwest. I've seen some still have them on the two seed. Whatever, there's still basketball games left to be played that could affect that. Arizona is going to the LA schools, which a week ago might have had the Pac-12 on the line. Now, granted, UCLA was pretty much they were in the driver's seat, so I'm not I'm not heartbroken over Arizona not winning the Pac-12 again this season. But these are two games where I think if they had beaten ASU, there wouldn't be that much concern about. It. It's like okay, you don't really need these games. Like you're fine. You've already proven a lot. But similar to some of their other bad losses during the season, to Brett's point earlier, ASU's not the worst loss they've had. It's probably the best of their losses. Maybe Utah on the road, actually. But does Arizona need to win at least a split in this weekend to make you feel like there's a chance, right? Because USC's not a great team. is a good team. Arizona's already beaten both of them. Would going on the road and beating one or both of them kind of wash away the stench of what happened at the McHale Center last weekend and make you think, okay, this team has got it, you know, they flipped the switch that Brett's not sure they can flip, that they have the ability to play defense and hit free throws and make winning plays down the stretch in a hostile environment that will serve them well as they go into the tournaments, right? Like, that's that's what it's all about when you're Arizona, when you're this late in the season, you're focused on not a game on February, what, 26th or whatever, not a game on March 1st. You're focused on tournaments, Right. Like, is that is that what this weekend is about? Do they need to split this weekend or win one or two games to make you think, OK, they're back to being a team that can contend? Ronnie, I would say I don't actually care at all about these two games. Because wow. I think, I, because I, so, like, let's start <laughs> they can't out with do these. anything to prove anything. Like they're, they are officially done. Oh, no, no, not not in that sense. Uh, more so on, on the flip side. So more that this game means a lot more to USC than it does to U of A. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's like a kitchen sink game and USC beats us, right? Like, that's fine. I, but again, I'm, I'm not backtracking. We always beat USC, so I fully expect to win that game. The UCLA game, I expect UCLA to win that game. So if we leave there 0-2, I actually don't think that that is – those are not bad losses. Well, I guess, you know, without seeing how it went down, in theory, they probably wouldn't be bad losses. And I honestly care more about the conference tournament because I think if you can rattle off the conference tournament and steal that from UCLA, that means a lot more than splitting or even going two and zero in LA to wrap out the to wrap up the season. See, I I don't know what's happening tonight, Ronnie. We're we're I think we're fighting because I think the exact. Oh, this is good. I, good I, yeah, if people probably get our listeners probably get tired of me and Adam saying, "Yeah, that's a great point." Um, well, I never say that to you though. Uh, this guy. Um, <laughs> I I actually think I care the least about the Pac-12 tournament, and I care more about these two games just for the implications of seedings and matchups. And really, if you're going to try, if if the goal is a Final Four, you want to avoid a team like Houston for as long as possible, and that's that's a, a long play game, uh, a long con kind of situation if you're talking about uh, things the way Mick Cronin thinks about it. Um, but I also would say if Arizona goes to L.A. and gets swept, you know, that 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 light switch, uh, the, the, the wires are starting to disconnect there because those teenager teenagers on the team start to lose faith and confidence. And if this Arizona team doesn't have confidence, they don't have the athletic ability to overcome that. And that's where that timidity means that they will be, you know, dead in the water when it comes to March. I think if they go to L.A. and they, if you know, if they somehow pull off a sweep for that and then even lose in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, 
I think that'll set them up better for March hmm. uh, in, in the in the tournament because I think Arizona's margin for error in terms of self confidence is very slim because they don't have the athletes. You know, Pell Larson needs to believe in himself. Azulis Tavellas needs to believe in himself to be able to be that engaged and focused and assertive. And I think the only way, the only way for them to do that in the remainder of the season is in the next two games on the road, uh, in a you know air quotes hostile environment. I know Adam called it. I don't know if I'll ever believe that any game in LA will be a hostile environment because you need the place to be more than half full. Um, I think supposedly the USA UCLA game is a uh, sold out, maybe, um, but we'll see. Traffic's a a pain in LA. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty fervently uh, opposed to the perspective that Ronnie had for those reasons. Dang. I mean, I kind of want to let you guys fight this one out, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to play. So I kind of, I can see both points here in so much that like, I'm not a big fan of the Pac-12 tournament meaning something. And I think if Arizona sweeps this weekend, then the Pac-12 tournament doesn't mean a damn thing for them. If you go to UCLA and beat them, it's going to be hard for anyone to put UCLA ahead of them on the seating committee. And maybe Mick Cronin's right that they're mad that they're leaving the Pac-10 or the Pac-12. So therefore they're going to put Arizona on the two line anyway. In terms of like the matchups, like Brett was talking about, who knows, right? They might be better off as a two seed. They might be better off as a three seed. Like they were a one seed last year and that didn't help them out too much. Right. So it's, to me, it's, you want to be playing your best basketball. Now, Courtney Ramey said after the ASU game, he's like, well, now we're going to be focused right now. We're going to be playing. So I'm like, you have to say that at the same time, if this team has needed wake-up calls and they kind of have throughout the season to then also like, oh, we got to, okay, let's fix this and play like we can. If this serves as that, then they could be that good, right? We've seen it. We This is still the same team that beat Tennessee. It's still the same team that beat Indiana, that beat Creighton, that beat San Diego State, that beat UCLA. So it's not a bad basketball team. In fact, it's a very good basketball team. If you would have said before the season, they're going to be 24 and five heading into this last weekend of the regular season. You probably would have taken that. You would have thought it would have happened differently. <laughs> you know, you, you would have picked a win over Stanford and ASU and probably not beat in UCLA or Tennessee or somewhere. But this team has put itself in a pretty good position to where, yes, if you do something good these last couple of games in the regular season, your seeding is going to be rewarded, right? And if you do something in the Pac-12 tournament, you're going to be rewarded with a high seed because they are good. There's a reason like everyone in college basketball has had those slip-ups this year, except for Houston. Everyone's struggled at times and lost games they shouldn't have lost. Grant, every one of Arizona's five losses so far games they shouldn't have lost. But that's where I don't know it's like, They've proven that when they're playing, when they're focused, when they're into the game, they can beat anyone. And they've also proven that if they're not focused, they can lose to anyone. I think I'd rather be that way than the opposite going into these last few games in the last few weeks of the season. Because if if they would have lost to every good team they've played, be like, okay, it doesn't matter, right? You're going to play good teams in the tournament. If you can't beat them, who cares? They've proven they can. And certain things, and this is where I guess these last two games, what I'll follow is where I want to see I want to see the three-point shooting continue. Courtney Ramey is a guy they did not have last year who can very much be the guy who carries them through this year. There have been times where it seems like he's carrying the team because he does have that go-to score mentality and at times that ability is streaky. But he's willing to take that shot. He's willing to go to the bucket. He takes the big shot. Like That's a guy that you can put the ball in his hands and say go to work in the tournament. He's been shooting the ball well lately. If that continues, if Pella Larson, who's played pretty well lately, if that continues the ceiling is that much better because then all they need is their big men to get back to playing like they were Balo and Tubelis. Cause then you have a team that's going to be tough to stop. But 
you know, if they go to the L.A. schools or they go to USC and lose in a place they rarely lose, they go to UCLA and get their asses kicked like they have in the past at UCLA, and they're bricking shots, they're playing timid, they're turning the ball over and just generally uncompetitive, then, yeah, I'm going to be concerned no matter what happens in the Pac-12 tournament. Like, I don't think they played that poorly against ASU, but they can't. I don't want to see them play poorly at all the rest of the season. If they lose to UCLA playing a pretty good game, so be it, you know? Yeah, I, Ronnie, I'm not going to lie. That kind of sounded like Adam took my side in the argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys take it. Uh, I want, I, you know, I, I, I understand the idea. I don't like, I'm not a fan of coming off, coming off a loss or, or, or like an embarrassing situation and then entering a do or die situation. Right. So that's where it's like, you know, in, in the scenario you set up, Brett, uh, I would much rather take two and zero this weekend, lose in the first round versus you know whatever. And I think that's that's not good because that just flashes back to a lot of the concerns that we've already identified with this team. And then now you're saying that we are now entering a do or die situation in the tournament where we're coming off an embarrassing situation like that. I know Adam said this team has responded very well, and that's true to losses. That's fine, um, but but it's just you know it's just in in the back of my mind. You know, I I do want to say I I want to take this. I want to take this bigger picture, this conversation, because um, I know KJ Lewis is supposed to be coming in next year. And I, and, and truth be told, I haven't been following as closely as maybe I should be as far as, you know, who we're in the running for, for meaningful recruits next year, but taking a look at, at the roster and, and I expect nobody to go pro on this team. Um, so now what that means as far as transfers, anything like that, you know, who's returning, um, I, I expect that it's like the, the, the core, right? Like obviously Ramey and, and um, Cedric Henderson, I mean, those, those guys are gone. But if we take those guys, we take the remaining ones. So what is that? That could bring us down to five. There's five people then returning. KJ Lewis comes in and then we probably hit the transfer portal again at some point. I don't know. And then you expect a leap out of, you know, some of these other freshmen that we talked about. Should we be concerned at any point, though? Because it is a little bit of a, a situation where things were so good last year. And I know we was even seen on, on Twitter, like the honeymoon period's officially over with Tommy Lloyd and all that, uh, which I think is probably true, right? Because he just exceeded, far exceeded any expectations. But are we a little, um, I, are, are we taking for granted actually how difficult last year, like achieving what we achieved last year is? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, we're t- I think we're taking for granted the difficulty of like they've lost five games this season and we're talking about how it's like the end of the world. You know, five games a season after they were a one seed. Yeah. And they lost three guys to the NBA and a fourth, like four of their top, like five scores are gone from last season's team. And they're back to being a 24 and five, like a 24 win team. Don't 24. They're going to win 25 plus games this season, I would think, and be a top three seed in the NCAA tournament. And we're looking back. Well, this team doesn't have it. <laughs> I guess that that's also part of being an Arizona basketball fan, though, and someone who watches this team because you know what they're capable of, right? Like, yeah, it's I, deeper than that, though, too, right? I mean, the eye test, right? And sorry, Brett, you can hop in here, but j- just to defend that piece, though, right? Like, twenty the twenty five and seven is not created equal, right? Like all twenty fives and sevens, and that's where I think we'll probably end up. But it's you know, like whatever. I just think that this team just doesn't pass the eye test in my mind for on a few different levels. Go ahead, Brett. So I, I, 
I think that it's hard to say they don't pass. I think I know what you mean when you say they don't pass the eye test, but also like they've beaten the teams that pass the eye test, right? A lot. Um, so, and that, but they've also lost to teams that they shouldn't have lost to, which is why they're so vexing as a team. And I, to, to answer your question, I also I very much agree with Adam that yes, we take it for granted. And it's silly that Arizona fans think that every loss means, oh, what a terrible season and it's over. Part of this is just modern college basketball. The difference between the top team, the number 10 team, number 25 team is narrower than it was 15 years ago, right? It just it just is. And a lot of those guys that are the eye test guys, you know, the G League is a, is a real path now or some, you know, some of the top guys go to Europe, right? Um, you know, it's not it's it's not the same game. There's a balance, you know, it's, there's a balance of trying to get raw athletes that you develop. Uh, and the guys that are, you know, the four-year guys that are really valuable, like Appel Larson can be somebody that's super valuable or an Azulis Tabellus, even though Azulis Tabellus, you know, I think he's, he's an interesting potential fit in the NBA, but I think he's so struggle. It would struggle so much defensively. He'd be hard to actually play significant minutes, but he can be a borderline impactful player of the year. And the other, the other thing of modern college basketball and that parody argument I'm making is the transfer portal makes everything fundamentally different, right? Um, so it's, you know, you can go grocery shopping and pluck a Courtney Ramey out of the, out of the transfer portal. And he's a, you know, one of your better, your better, your star, your better starters, probably your best pure shooter on the team and best defender. Right. And, and we don't consider him passing the eye test on a team that's been in the top 10 most of the year. Right. One thing I think too that maybe people are taking for granted or not noticing is that the la- last season and even this season, the experience on these rosters. You look at this year's team, especially the key guys, Henderson and Ramey, they're seniors. Ballo, Tubelis, Larson, Creaser, they're all in their third year of college basketball. I know they're not considered juniors, but they're in their third year of college basketball. They're relying on basically one freshman, that's Colin Boswell, who's been good. You know, he's going to be a stud in the coming years. That is not something we've seen at Arizona for a while. And when you look at as they're finishing up this season, there are questions of who will come back. I know you mentioned, like, guys, there's no NBA guys. And it doesn't mean, like, a two-bellist may not decide to be done playing college basketball. Hey, he's done most he can here, you know. There's nothing to gain from coming back. Someone like him. I mean, I, I would expect most of these guys back, you know, other than Henderson and Ramey. But, like, Adama Ball, could he get poached by someone? And if he was, is that a huge loss? Like, potentially, yes, but also... Why hasn't he played much? What's gone wrong there? But this is an experienced team. Now, maybe that's what makes it more concerning that they have had their inconsistencies because you would think a veteran team, a team that's been played a lot of Pac-12 basketball games or a lot of high-level college basketball games would know what it takes to to win, right? To play at a high level every single game. But I think that, and compared to even last year too, that's something that people take for granted for sure because usually we got used to Arizona one-and-dones. There's no one-and-dones on this team. There weren't any on last year's team, and they were really good. Like, is this the Tommy Lloyd way? Is this how it's going to be? And if that's the case, then it's going to be an interesting way to follow Arizona basketball from here on out because they're not going to be having that turnover every single year where they're placing five guys, five or six guys. They get to build rosters, and you get to struggle with them some last year. You get to remember Azus Tabella struggling in the tournament, You know, Kirk Creason being injured and not doing anything. You get to remember that. And you carry that into now this tournament thinking, well, two bells is going to be that guy. Can Kirk Reese be that guy? Like that's different than you have. Oh, it's Stanley Johnson. He's been great all year. He'll be fine. Aaron Gordon's been great all year. Larry Markin's been great all year. 
You know, like this team has baggage, but it also has experience. Well, one guy that we haven't mentioned here that I actually think has the, the highest upside in terms of the NBA on the current roster as it exists today is Henry Vasar, but he's just not physically there right now, right? And he's somebody that could take a big leap a la Umar Balo, who, you know, at Gonzaga, he barely saw the court, right? And then last year he was showed flashes, and this year he's been, you know, borderline all Pac-12 player, right? I think Henry Vasar has that ability to take a leap, but he needs... 30 pounds of muscle added on it at a minimum and, and a bit of experience. And that's something that hopefully you can get out of that. And that's, is that, is that better or more important than, uh, you know, a five-star one and done kid? I don't know. It's, well, a, okay. it's a different path to take it back to these last two games in the PAC 12 tournament though, guys last year, I remember the PAC 12 tournament, especially that's when Adama ball really started to shine, right? Like, Oh, all this guy does is make three pointers. That's going to be huge in the tournament. It wasn't. But would you look at these last couple of games with seating still on the line, obviously, as a chance you try to get Vasar to force that eighth guy in the rotation, to force a Vasar or an Adama Ball or a Dylan Anderson to be like, hey, you're going to play 10 minutes, you know, and you're going you're gonna to be ready because we may need you. Kirk Russo may roll his ankle. We may, you know, someone may get hurt and we're, this is our last chance to get you ready to play what could be important minutes. Like, Without a ton necessary, like, yes, there's stuff on the line, but also there's nothing on the line, right? And so would you use this as a chance to try to force that extra guy in the rotation or to force that depth to kind of emerge when you might need it most? I, I understand the argument um, and, and why you would want that. I just feel that this team, like the seven-man rotation was just hammered down with like three weeks ago or so, right? Uh, or is it probably maybe four? I, I don't know. Uh, at some it point, was after basically. I think the Oregon loss. Once they went on a roll, like with Henderson in the starting lineup, they were really good for a stretch. <laughs> so the Oregon loss was January fourteenth. So much longer than that. So it was like six weeks ago. I get. I guess the the point that I'm trying to make is you know whatever the timeline has been for the seven man rotation. I just feel that like the team is still trying to figure itself out. And I want those seven guys to be in tip-top shape. And if that, you know, obviously there's always injury risk. And, you know, if, if you're trying to hedge against that by saying, you know, like, hey, if that happens, then you'll ball. I don't know what happened most of the season, but we need to get you ready in case that does happen. I just feel like that's going to take away from some meaningful time and development for the rest of that, like, that seven core. So I, uh, I would say that... You- I would take. I again, we're fighting, Ronnie. I would actually say this is the time to play. You know, guys like Henry Basar and maybe Adama Ball to try to at least put him in a chance to be successful, especially in the opening rounds of the Pac-12 tournament. It's fair. Um, you know, get them some experience, get them some confidence, get them some minutes. You inherently reduce the risk of injury and fatigue to some of the other players. Uh, to me, you, you know, if you can have Henry Basar be somebody that you can count on for, you know, five plus minutes of competent backup play at the post. If, uh, I don't know, one of our big guys gets in foul trouble, which has been pretty frequent of late, I think you got to do it. I think that's fair. And, and honestly, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Um, no. You know, I, I, I can definitely be convinced that way. Um, I guess I just, yeah, I, I'm just concerned because it just feels like things are still a bit flimsy from where they're not as short up as I would like to see getting into this part of the season. And that that's true. Like you'd like to think that by now, 
with two regular season games left, you have a good handle on this team. You that they have their rotations, everyone has their role, right? Like you talked about earlier, Ronnie, about how they don't have that guy, you know, for the last second shot, you know, who gets the ball in their hands. Like, yeah, it was Pell Larson against ASU. Is it Pell Larson the next time? I don't know. <laughs> like last year's team had that last year's team you knew what they were because at the same time last year's team got beat in the sweet 16 you know like they were really good they had all that defined they were rolling by the end of the season they won the pac-12 tournament and then they looked they won two games in the NCAA tournament they were out now granted kirk creasa rolled his ankle in the pac-12 tournament that did them no favors but it's just i don't know like I look at this team, and as we kind of wrap up here, talk about some Arizona men's basketball, it's just like, I think we know who they are. I do. I think they're a team that, when they're focused, they're damn near unbeatable. That's it. And the Kevin, of course, is when, and they're not always. But I'd like to think that once the NCAA tournament starts, I mean, if you can't focus for that, <laughs> then you don't belong in this program. You don't belong, you know, playing in Tucson. Yeah. And can I, can, you know, I, the funny thing is I think this team has been that since the preseason. And I think that focus doesn't end with, but it really starts with Azulis Tabellas. Cause I've said it preseason. I've said it during the season for Arizona reach its ceiling. They needed Azulis Tabellas to be the clear best player on the team. And when he's playing that way, they're really hard to beat. And the team kind of follows suit. And when he's not, the team doesn't. You know, I think he and Pella Larson, I think, is another guy that's a good barometer of the team. He's Pella Larson kind of moves with the confidence of the team, or maybe his confidence is what moves the team, right? Because he's a pretty darn good defender when he's locked in. But if he's not confident and aggressive, then he's just another body out there, right? I think those two guys are really the key in terms of that focus. Because, um, you know, Kirk Carissa is never going to, you know, back down from a fight ever, when even when he should. Uh, so, but he's, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the ability to physically back it up and you need some of these other guys to be the big dogs. Yeah. My concern about Tubelis is just exactly what we saw uh, last postseason uh, against TCU in Houston. I just think that that blueprint is very much there in terms of how to neutralize him. And you've kind of even seen it a little bit in conference play, but I, you know, I, I think that the one advantage that we do have, right. Is, you know, some of these losses um, have, t- well, I guess really all of the losses, right? Uh, our five losses thus far have been in conference play. Um, so any of those losses have come against teams that have seen Tommy Lloyd's offense in action before. So I think the element of surprise could very much be there. Um, and we could ride that wave a little bit come postseason. But to the point of Tabellus, I guess I'm just still skeptical because I think, you know, if there's a TC or Houston situation again, I think that you could you know, basically rule him out, which then means we're running with six people. And I don't feel good about that, especially when there's no clear cut score or like, you know, like clear cut dog for us. Well, that's fair. <laughs> Obviously, that'd be concerning for Arizona. But guys, of course, Arizona at USC Thursday at UCLA Saturday. Seating is on the line. I guess in theory, a top four seed in the Pac-12 tournament too. You want to? I think Arizona, like which seed they're going to be, two, three, or four, that is also on the line. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, they're big games, they're meaningless games. They're going to be played either way, and I imagine most people's thoughts on how big or meaningless they are will be dictated by how Arizona plays in them, because that's sports. So let's take one more break, and we come back. There's got to be something else to talk about, right? 
we're back. And like I said, there's got to be other things to talk about with Arizona athletics. And guys, we during the break, we were talking it over. What should we be talking about? And we couldn't come up with a lot. <laughs> like the women's basketball team, of course, they're going to Vegas. They're playing their Pac-12 tournament this weekend. They struggled to end the season. So you'd like to see them kind of get back to going. Of course, Shana Pellington was co-most improved player in the Pac-12. So that's very good news for her. That's a, it's a good team. They haven't been a great team. That doesn't mean they can't get hot, you know? So like that's, I think the next most important thing is women's basketball team. And can they kind of turn things around and get back to being one of the top 15 teams in the country, a team that can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. We've seen it before, but of course we haven't seen it without Ari McDonald. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Uh, you know, the women's team had a couple of nice wins uh, <laughs> before they had a couple of tough losses. So that's kind of been up and down, you know, I think, I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Utah beats beat Stanford in the, yeah, which is Arizona just beat Utah. Right. And Stanford just, you know, crushed the the Lady Cats a couple of weeks ago with their it imposed their will with all their size. So it kind of shows that it it, it it all depends on a on a given game and how how things are going. But hopefully the women will do well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who does that sound like? Big ups and big downs. <laughs> so just Arizona basketball is just one like yeah. homogenous group of like the the ups and the downs. Like that's that's college basketball though, right? Especially <laughs> this year. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's important to remember that. Um, you know, baseball is doing okay. Softball is doing eh, little struggles to open the season. Of course, the spring sports as they get going. I know softball even last year got off to a slow start before turning things on a little bit later. Of course, making their postseason run. Uh, football. We now know the spring game, like the spring schedule. I guess the spring practice schedule that's been announced. They start what in a couple of weeks, guys? Is that what? I think it's March fourteenth. I think that's coming up quick. That's and a couple of weeks away. Even before that. Uh, U of A baseball plays at Grand Canyon. That is March 7th, Tuesday, March 7th at 6 p.m. First pitch. And that's a bigger game than you think. Like, Grand Canyon's not bad at baseball. <laughs> I think they beat it. Arizona last year, like once they or did. twice. Yeah. They did beat us. Yeah. So, revenge games. Let's see if the baseball team has that in them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> anything a, else, guys? Would we have anything else? A little housekeeping stuff here? Any other news? I was going to say, that game's up here. We should go to that. But you guys are both fathers now, so it's probably harder to do that on a school night. Oh, you have no idea. It, <laughs> it is. It is. It is, Brett. Oh, childless Brett. Him and his freedom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, nothing else on my end. Uh, very curious to see how we perform in Vegas. Um, and then, of course, what the draw is, right? I you don't know until you see the draw, and then even then you don't know because what you think is going to materialize usually doesn't. There's a there's an upset, which um, you know, either be to us or somebody that we anticipated playing, um, and just turns things upside down. Can I just tell you, I've never liked a single draw that Arizona's got, and I'll bring this up. I'm sure when the draw happens, but because every one of those teams are like they could beat Arizona, and then the season's over. Like I don't like any of them. I've never been like, oh, yeah. that's a that's an easy. No, it's the NCAA tournament. It doesn't matter. Know? Yeah, one and oh, done like, situations tough. All I know is, no matter how the rest of the season plays out, the scheduling committee is going to completely accidentally put Xavier and Arizona in the same bracket. <laughs> Xavier, Arizona, Gonzaga. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to see if any of the teams that Arizona men's basketball has lost to will actually end up being in the NCAA tournament. Like I almost want them to lose to UCLA, so at least they can have one loss to a tournament team this season. Because it's otherwise it's the most bonkers situation. If they 
sweep this week. You know, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and disagree Adam that I want Arizona to beat UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> Bold take. Okay, fine. <laughs> but how funny would that be though if they they finish the season with their only grand once they get to the tournament if they lose they'll be to a tournament team. But if they get through the regular season beating every team that made it to the NCAA tournament and their losses are only to teams that did not. <laughs> like how stupid is that? <laughs> focus. Lack of focus. That's all that is. Well, on, on that happy note, guys, we should probably wrap up the show here, of course. We appreciate everyone listening. You can find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle. Find us on Spotify, on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, along with your subscription, of course, which you can also do on Spotify. But otherwise, Ronnie, we appreciate you joining us this week for a little bit of therapy here. I think... I don't know if any of us feel better for it, but you know, it happened. Uh, thanks for having me guys. Always a pleasure. And you know, unfortunately it's like we dissected, right? Even if that ball didn't go down, there was not a ton to feel happy about. Of course you'd take the win, but um, that shot going down, didn't go down uh, a lot of the same emotions. Uh, you know, this was a positive show at the end, Ronnie, and you brought it back down to the negative and that's just not cool. So Brett, I think can we are we good with Ronnie? Like he's 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 done enough, right? I mean, yeah, I think we're good with Ronnie. I can never be I can never stay mad at you. <laughs> it's so, been too long, Brett. I appreciate that. So again, Arizona men, they're at the LA schools for a couple big or not big games, depending on your point of view and whether they win or not. Women are playing in Vegas in their tournament, trying to improve their seating and get back on track. Spring sports are happening. We'll talk about all of that next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>